Good morning. Well, I'm going to continue where the children's ministry left off, basically. I'm sorry, that's where I came back to Jesus. Um, so I'm in John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Sorry, it's a little emotional. <clears throat> but I have eternal life. For God did not send his son, can't see nothing now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, just let everything that I speak today bring glory to your name and show that you are the true and only God, that we are supposed to follow you and believe in you always. And just let everything that comes out of my mouth just show that I am only standing here because you loved me when I was falling away from you. Just if something comes out of my mouth that is not supposed to or it's going to come, just close my lips so I do not speak any ill will towards you. I love you, as we all do, and your precious and holy name. Amen. So my name's Tim Pollock. I work at the Rescue Mission, but we're going to go back to Tim before I was saved again. I, um, I was born in Boardman. I went to Highway Tabernacle down the street. At five or six years old, I don't remember, that was a long time ago, I'm 43, um, I was saved, I was baptized, and I understood why we needed to follow Jesus. He died for all our sins. We are going nowhere in this world except hell without Jesus. So I have two forks in my road. I have the bad fork, which I went down a long time, and I have my good fork where I'm standing now. We'll get to this point eventually. Don't feel ill towards me. I've done a lot of bad, but haven't we all? No idea why I'm crying yet. Didn't even get to the emotional part. <laughs> all right, so I don't know what picture we're, okay. So my next picture is Rafiki from The Lion King. It's my favorite Disney movie. And he says, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. And for a crazy monkey in that movie, that is so true. And I love that movie because it came out when my dad passed away. And we'll get to that. But it, it's just, he's sitting there, he's fighting his battle, Simba. And he's listening to a crazy monkey who slaps him in the head with a stick. And we do need to remember that our past is important, so that way we do not continue to walk down the same path. So when I was seven, my parents, they got divorced, which was a blessing. My dad was a very abusive physically and verbally towards our family. My mom worked two or three jobs to raise us. It was me, my mom, my sister, and my brother. And we, we were going to a church in Boardman because the church down the street just didn't see eye to eye with my mom. 
And then my mom became a realtor, and she had to do her open houses on Sunday. And what I've noticed a lot today is everything's on Sunday. And when I was a kid, that was the Lord's Day. You, were, you could barely go get a loaf of bread after church because they were closing that store because we needed to be at home worshiping our Lord in the day of rest that the Lord gives us. And I can't wait to take my nap today. But as time went on, my grandma and grandpa couldn't take me to church no more. So I started to go with one of my friends. But at this time, I already started smoking cigarettes because at 12, that's a cool thing to do, be like the grown kids. By the time I was 14, I was an alcoholic. Sorry, Mom. And I used to steal her uh, peach schnapps when I was a kid and pour it on popcorn. It was disgusting. And then I'd fill up the bottle with water, and my sister got blamed. So being the youngest child of the three, I learned how to get away with murder because I watched the other two mess up everything. So when I was about 15, 14, somewhere in there, I was driving to my grandma's house with my dad. And I was at my wit's end with him. And he went to hit me and I was done with his abuse. He beat my brother, he beat my sister, he treated my mom like garbage, and at 14, I wasn't putting up with it. I didn't have to see my dad, I didn't want to be with my dad, and I really didn't like my dad. And I told him, you can hit me, but I'll kill you in your sleep. And I honestly meant that, and that's the scary part of where I went from five to six years old when I loved Jesus to this angry teenager. The funny thing is, me saying that to him slapped him in the head. Wake up. Your youngest kid can't stand you because you're an abusive, evil person. And for two years, we had a great relationship. Sixteen. <clears throat> This testimonies are rough. I'd rather preach the sermon in all honesty. Um, uh, when, he was, when I was 16, he passed away from uh, cancer. When he died, he, he asked for forgiveness from all of us, which is a blessing, which is what we all need to do. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to get my grip here. So at 16, I lost my dad. I was already smoking and drinking. And I was so far away from God, it wasn't even funny. I quit going to church, and all I wanted to do was party with my friends. And my mom had a fiancé. And he would tell me how stupid I was and useless. And I took that to heart. So I quit. I didn't care. But then I remember what my mom told me. Don't let anyone push you down. Fight back. So I did. And I graduated high school, which is amazing. Um, and I went to YSU. But while I was in my senior year, my mom's fiance died, and we found out he had a brain tumor. And that's why he was so evil, because it was pushing up against his brain. 
So by the time I was 18, I lost my dad and I lost my mom's fiancés, and it was just a rough childhood. We weren't rich. I grew up in Boardman. I didn't fit in with Boardman people um, because I didn't drive a BMW to school. I wouldn't drive a BMW now. I like my 99 GMC and my 2013 Equinox. They're paid for. I don't owe anyone any money. So I'm in high school, I lose all that. And in this next picture, this is Tim. This is Tim when I already had a job. And I've had many jobs in my life. Age 12, I was a paper boy. 16 through 18, I was a kitchen manager at Burger King. When I was 18 and 19, I sold home audio at uh, Best Buy and Boardman. And in 19 through 20, I also sold car audio at Unlimited Electronics in Boardman and Warren. And those are illegal jobs. But I also had a really illegal job. I was a drug dealer. And I didn't sell little dime bags or nickel bags. I used to sell pounds of pot. I used to sell so much pot that I'd still be in jail today if I would have ever got busted. And when I sit here and say that, I'm afraid to see who's even out here. But I don't deal with any of that anymore, so don't come and arrest me. Um, <laughs> So when we were selling these drugs, we had a big purpose for making the money. The big purpose was we wanted to open up a bar in Youngstown. Because when you're an alcoholic, what's the best thing to own? A bar. Free booze. The sad thing is, we were 19. We didn't have insurance. I went and tried to buy a truck because we needed a truck to build a bar. This is where a 19-year-old's thinking. We knew everything. We were geniuses. And when they told me they wouldn't sell me a truck and I needed a co-signer, I laughed at the guy. I was so mad, I flew out of the parking lot calling him every name except the nice guy. So that night I went and got plastered. I was so drunk, I didn't know who I was. And I woke up the next day in a strange room with strange clothes and I didn't know where I was, who I was, or why I was. And I walk out of a room and I'm like confused and my friends are sitting there and they're like, we've been watching you all night. We thought you were gonna die. We almost took you to the hospital. Apparently I killed a bottle and a half of rum. That's way too much for anyone to drink and I don't recommend it for anybody. It was probably the worst night of my life because I felt defeated. I felt defeated, I couldn't buy a truck. I felt defeated, I couldn't do college. And I felt defeated because all my friends who were dealing drugs were going to jail or getting shot. When I say the people I hung out with weren't good people, when I see them now, I hide my head. I don't want anything to do with them. I want nothing to do with my past. My past was horrible, and I used to hang out with people that I'm afraid to even say their names or even think of because they were so evil. And when I think about that, that was me too. I didn't do everything they did, but I was still a horrible person. That's why that scripture at the beginning of my testimony means so much to me, because we're all there. We all sin. Sometimes it takes us longer to get woken up by Jesus, 
and I still wasn't there. So me and my friend were talking, and he's like, I'm going to join the Army. So this next picture, we both joined the Army. But I wanted to go in the infantry, and I wanted to go to 101st Airborne, and I wanted to be that hard charger, ranger, SF, crazy guy to run at bullets, because what's the difference between the Army and Youngstown? I've already been shot at in Youngstown. I might as well get paid for it. So I went to the 101st, and I hated it. I hated it because I was the young guy on the block. You know when you start a new job, and everyone picks on you, and, and it, it's just fun. Like, they're just having fun with you when the Army ain't fun. They hang you upside down in a tree. They make you run around the base asking for stupid things. And, and it, it's called fraternization, or no, uh, hazing. Yes, that one, hazing. And I did it to the guys, and it, it was fun, I thought. But I was good at my job. And I was good at my job. And I thought it was me, but it was always God. God was always pushing me in all my choices. When you think about, I could have stayed here in Youngstown, but I'd be in jail or dead. He pushed me towards the army to get me away from this town. But after three years, I was done. I was coming up. Three years, gonna be done, come back here, go to YSU again, the school that I hated the first time, because YSU was just a party school for me. So when you're sitting there partying, drinking, and not getting any learning, and you're spending your money on something that you didn't get anything from, it didn't make much sense. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I got six months left. And in those six months, 9-11 happened. And if you really want to make someone mad, kill people that you're fighting to serve and protect. And at that time, I was like, I'm not going home. I'm going to re-enlist for six more years. Why go home when I can go to school while I'm in the Army and I can still protect my country? Six years. I did those six years in Hawaii but I didn't get all six. And when I got to Hawaii, I became more of an alcoholic because last call there is four in the morning. And if any of, any of you have drank, in this place, it's two. So when I came home on leave, I used to get very mad because I had two more hours to drink. That's where my mind was. I learned about Hawaii because I used to tell people I hated Hawaii. And then I took my wife there. And I realized why I hated living in Hawaii. Think about it. Hated living in Hawaii. It's 80 degrees all year round, and you can swim all year round. I used to call my mom in March and be like, hey, how are you doing? She's like, oh, we got about eight inches of snow. What are you doing? I'm at the beach. She's like, I'm done talking to you. So when you're thinking about hating something, it's because I hated what I was doing. No matter where I was, I may have walked away from God, but the Holy Spirit was still flowing through me, telling me I'm doing the wrong thing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. 
that Holy Spirit feeling, everyone says it's your conscience. No, that's God telling you, hey, wake up. You're going against me. Start following me again. Go down the path that I have for you, not your own. So while I'm in Hawaii, I didn't think about re-enlisting. My friends went to Afghanistan with the unit that I grew up in. So then I drank more. And I drank so much that I'd pass out on the beach. And I had that survivor's guilt because they're over there fighting and I'm on a beach. But I needed to go to Hawaii because when I was in the 101st, I had on, like my leaders were so on point that they led me the best that they could and taught me how to be a good leader. But when I got to Hawaii, I had the worst leader of my life who didn't care about me. And when you think about leaders, who are you going to lead? Who are you going to follow? The one that's going to take you down the bad path or the good path? So when you're going down the bad path, you're following yourself. And when you're going down the right path, you're following Jesus. So after I got rid of that leader, because he got pushed out of my life, and I thank the Lord every day for that. I got my sergeant stripes, I got my staff sergeant stripes, E6, and then we were training to go to Iraq. So in this next picture, this is my squad. These are my kids. This is what I went to Iraq with. I was only 20-something, four, I believe. I had 18-year-olds going with me. Those are my kids. I went over there with the leader, being a leader. I'm bringing them all home. That's what I felt I needed to do. So even though I wasn't walking with Jesus, and I'm getting RPGs shot at me, bullets shot at me, and I'm in a combat zone, and it was one of the scariest places I've ever been in my life, I never started the day without praying for my guys. I never prayed for myself. I didn't deserve Jesus anymore. That's how I felt. I was that useless sinner that did not deserve Jesus. But my guys deserved, deserved to come home. And I was never going to write that letter saying, I failed and your son is not coming home because I didn't protect him the best way I could. So my prayer was this. If someone needs to take the bullet, I'll take it. And no, I'm not a hero, and I'm not Jesus, and I never can be. But if someone's going to get hit, I wanted it. They needed to come home. They needed to go to their families. This next picture is going to be a little graphic. And I'm telling you this before we get there. But this is what happens when you pray. And I don't feel like God was punishing me. I think he answered my prayer in two ways. One, every one of my guys came home safe. And two, that was the knock in the head I needed to start following Jesus again. And I'm saying that because I'm that hard head that doesn't listen. And my mom will tell you that straight up and so will my wife. They fight with me continuously still. And I'm not saying that that is the best way to look at that, but that's how I look at that. I needed that. I was not going to follow Jesus. I was going to be that drunk, 
sinner forever unless I got that hit in the head. So we were on a mission. It was a recon mission. There was four of us in the car. It was a civilian car. We were in regular uniforms, like not even uniforms, we were just regular clothes, and we got shot. So the guy in the front, Staff Sergeant Santiago Frias, he pushed the, my interpreter out of the car, and Sergeant Israel Burks is sitting next to me on my right, and I was the first one to take the hit. And I died twice before I got to Baghdad for surgery. I'm glad that Shady got out of the car, and we called him Shady because he likes Slim Shady Eminem. Um, but I guarantee you he wasn't happy about his car because I don't think he could drive it after that. So it wasn't on you know, Craigslist for sale. There were so many holes in it that they had to tow it out of there, and he got arrested because they thought he had something to do with that ambush. So when I woke up in Walter Reed, I didn't know where I was. I thought I was in Korea on a date. I don't know. I don't know what kind of drugs they gave me. I felt no pain. For some reason, I think I was in Washington State, or I, I couldn't tell you where I was. But I felt defeated again. So I felt defeated from a truck. I felt defeated because I got shot in the Army. And when you feel defeated, it's because you're not walking the path that Christ has led, set out for you. You're walking your own still. I'm worried about the army instead of walking the path that he has for me to walk. So while I'm there, the first thing I did is I prayed that I would lose the swear word of using the Lord's name in vain. That is the first thing I did. And in this next picture, I got my Purple Heart. And you get that from the president. And the funny thing is, my chaplain from Hawaii was at Walter Reed. And yeah, meeting the president would have been cool. But I felt it was more important to get it from a guy that I actually respected. And actually a guy who was walking with the Lord. And that is one of my most memorable pictures of healing because he was there for me, because he knew me before I got shot. And he knew me as the kid who came to his services in the field. I actually went and listened to him preach. Even though I wasn't following the Lord, I knew who Jesus was my whole life. So in all of this, I forgot about the first fiance from Fort Campbell. And I have my second fiance now. Um, we really didn't get along too well at Walter Reed. And we both kind of had different ideas of what a relationship was. So when I went back to Hawaii to get my stuff, I left her in Hawaii and I came home. Then she called me three weeks later and she wanted to get back with me. No thank you. So I healed for a year and a half at Walter Reed, and I was retired medically in 2005, and I didn't get my 20 years in the Army, but I didn't get a choice on that because I had seizures. So what did that seizure do for me? 
Well, there was AA. I quit drinking. And I'm so glad that I don't drink anymore. And the thought of smelling alcohol makes me sick to my stomach. I haven't had a drink since 2004. And I have no feeling to go back to that. So in this next picture, I went to Hawaii. These are my final, this is the final ceremony that I get to do in the Army. I get my last awards. And I got a gimlet stick, which is a drill bit, um, just in case you want to know. I had no idea what it was. Um, but that was the name of our battalion. And I was at a change of command. And the guy I'm hugging right there, that's Staff Sergeant Prios. And that's the last time I ever got to see him. And we'll talk about him in a minute. So I used the alcohol to deal the pain in my life. And since I couldn't drink anymore, what do you do? You find something else to kill that pain. So I started smoking pot again. Because, come on, that's the best thing to do, right? Wrong. I found multiple women to be with, and I was in a downward spiral again. You know, I, I got shot, I kind of went back to God, and then I kind of fell away again. And then this next slide hits it the best. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he loves you the most. And I needed this in my life. Because the next picture is what I bought. I bought a 45 caliber handgun to blow my head off with. I was so done with this world that it didn't matter what anyone told me. It didn't matter who loved me. It didn't matter about anything, because I'd smoke that pot, I'd get depressed, and I'd put the gun in my mouth. And one day, I was done. It was the last time I did it. The Holy Spirit went through me and reminded me that people love me. First of all, he loved me. Then he showed me the ones that would miss me. The first picture is my mom. It's an older picture because I was not getting yelled at by my mother. <laughs> She's the reason I'm here today. She was the hard charger that raised me to be who I am. I'm a strong, independent person because she's a strong, independent person. And nothing against my dad, but he wasn't there for my struggles in life. And he really wasn't a good dad. Because even when we got along those last two years, he was the one I called and told him, I skipped school today and we went to the mall or we went and got drunk. He's like, oh yeah, I used to do that. Thanks a lot, dad. And the next picture is my grandpa. My sister's in there also, and my mom, but my grandpa, because I lived with him at the time. And he was my hero. <laughs> and he served during World War II. That's the thing with my family. Most of the men serve. It was honorable to serve in the military following him. And the last picture was my best friend, Doc. He is no longer with us either. Um, but he knew all my problems, and he kept them to himself, and he never judged me, because when you give a dog a treat, they really don't care. But he was the best friend that anyone could have. 
because he was there when I needed someone to talk to, and then he just let me unwind. He thought I was crazy, but it's okay. He's a beagle basset. So then, after all this, and the Lord's twisted me, and he's like, you're going to be serving me, and you're going to go to college again. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he just kept twisting that and twisting that. And uh, one day my brother told me, he goes, if you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. And that really hits you hard. Because you're like, you're the guy who's sitting here cussing at me every day, and you're telling me I'm going to go someplace I do not want to go ever. And then I remembered all my teachings from going to church throughout my years. And I already died twice in my 20s. Everyone thinks you have all the time in the world. No, you don't. We're all on borrowed time. The borrowed time is from our Lord and Savior. And when he says your time is up, your time is up. So I wanted to make sure that when my time was up the third time, I was going to the right place. But I still wasn't walking the right path. I went to church, but I still wasn't walking the right path. I didn't find the person that I needed to be with. I was searching, and I found a girl at the church I went to. Wrong girl. This is after my third fiance, by the way. She was never the fourth. We just did not get along. She had different morals. She had different values, and she definitely was not walking with the Jesus that I want to follow. So we broke up. I joined a group called Point Man International Ministries. This is the next page. And this is what started to heal me, hanging around with a bunch of veterans that have already gone through what I've gone through. I'm an outpost leader for this. I go to D.C. twice a year for this ministry. Basically, we're a bunch of veterans that get together, follow Jesus, because he's our point man. A point man is the one who leads the charge into battle. So if you're going to follow the point man, follow the best point man. The one that can get through anything is stronger than everything and can go through everything. So the next picture, these are two of my best friends. I lost one. His name's Dick. He's a Vietnam veteran. And the other guy's John, Vietnam veteran. He's in Arizona. So the four guys that brought me in, one of them lives in Kentucky. His name's Phil. And the other one's Don James. And I met Don in the church that I met the girl in. So I was supposed to go to that church for one reason, to meet Don. And without these veterans, I would not be where I am today because I probably would have blown my head off still. Because what happens is we don't understand that we're hurt in the inside. We feel like we're, we're okay. I'm fine right now. You think I'm fine. And then I would go home and I would go down the bad road again. I wear a patch. It says not all wounds are visible. That is the most powerful patch I wear on all my stuff. My patches are, they mean nothing to me, but that one does. Because that is where most of us are. It's not just veterans, it's anyone who's been through anything traumatic. So after I lost the third fiance, the girl from church, and all that happy stuff, 
I'm in Point Man, I'm happy there. I'm starting to be a veteran again because I didn't wear anything saying I ever served because I took no pride in anything I did. I screamed to Jesus, I am done with women. Unless you send me the perfect one that you choose for me. So in the next picture, he did, my beautiful wife, Jessica. And she hates it when her picture's on the screen. <laughs> but this is my favorite picture because this is where God answered another prayer. And he's still guiding my life, but he's still listening to what I want in my life to make me happy. That's the thing. I'm not always about me. I'm trying to please the Lord, but he still gives me the things that make me happy. So what did he give me? He gave me a woman who, one, loves Jesus and then me. That is the goal. I love Jesus and then her. That's how marriages work. And if you don't believe me, ask any pastor I've ever heard from, because that's what they all told me. So that's what I heard in premarital counseling. But that was a, a perfect day because I, got to, I get to walk down through life with someone who serves in ministry also. So I get to work at the rescue mission. I work in my uh, ministry with veterans. And like I said, we're going to talk about Staff Sergeant Frias again. Now think about this. I got shot through my left eye, lost half my head, and survived. He got shot all down his side and survived. The guy next to me, Israel, almost lost both his legs kept them all, and survived. And why is that? Because we all had a mission from God. Santiago was the guy over in Iraq preaching the word of Christ to all of us. We're all sitting there like we're tired. He's the one doing the job that we are all supposed to do as born-again saviors. But like I said, all wounds are not visible and he killed himself. He's a rough one to talk about because I wouldn't be sitting here without him. Um, I'm not happy I went to combat. I'm not some, let's go back to war. Um, I feel like we should all get along <laughs> now. 15-year-old uh, Tim wanted to fight everyone, but 43-year-old Tim's just too tired of fighting. But his post-rank stress just nailed him, and every time I talked to him, he'd say, I gotta go. Because of him, okay, March 8th, 2004, was the only thing he remembered when he heard my voice. And for the longest time, March 8th was a horrible day for me. But I gave it to Jesus, which is what I wish he would do, which is what I think we all should do. You have those bad days that always stick there. Couldn't tell you when my parents got divorced. No idea. Best day of my life. But that day was hard. 
I got shot. And I lost my career. And I thought I lost my life. But here we go again. Jesus just twisting me more towards his path. And I go to that funeral, and I get to talk about my ministry to my brothers that I served with over in Iraq because we all showed up there. It was actually videoed for everyone across the country because that's the man he was. He's the kind of guy that you want to remember because he was the one preaching the gospel of Christ in a war-torn, horrible country that needs Jesus more than anything. We just got back from Florida. We were at a, minute, at a conference. I was going to call him. I wanted to go to New York to see him. It's been years. I miss my brother. And I got the phone call that he hung himself. That was the worst phone call you can ever get. I was two hours from calling him. And then you hear this, and it's sad. But then when you think about it, this next picture hits it all. Everyone comes in your life for a reason. And they don't always stay there for the whole time of your life. But they are there for a reason. And the reason is because God is using that person to push you down his path, not yours. Your path is wrong. My path was horrible. But God's path is always right. I've met some great people in my life, people that I don't feel I deserve to be friends with. And when you think about where I sit now, I sit where I am now because a pastor at my church came to my church and asked me, asked us all to come help unload the new bunks at the new rescue mission. I'm only working there because I went and unloaded bunks at the rescue mission and all I said was, hey, can I come down and do a Bible study with the guys once, once a month or something? I was going to D.C. He goes, call me when you get back. We go out to lunch. He goes, you want a job? I said, no. <laughs> I'm retired. I was getting disability. And he goes, pray about it. Talk to your wife about it. I think you'd be a good person to have at the rescue mission. I'm like, I don't want to work. Why would I work? I'm retired. I don't need to work. I'll do a Bible study. So I go home. I tell Jess. And then that Holy Spirit starts twisting me. And the funny thing is, I got shot in 2004, and I used to sleep almost all day long. And now when I'm at the rescue mission, they have to tell me to leave because I am serving the Lord in that building. And why am I so adamant about serving the Lord in that building? Because a lot of those guys and some of my friends from old Tim are there. And old Tim is dead Tim. And I'm glad old Tim is dead Tim because old Tim is a bad Tim. But old Tim also keeps the mission safe because I know what to look for. But I also know how to help those guys. And when I started to do the, the um, what are those things called when you get a job? 
I don't know, when they want to talk to you. Interviews. Yeah, see, this is how long it's been since I've worked. <laughs> Satan had a field day with me. He was having a ball with me. He did not want me to work there. So when you're sitting there fighting, and you're like, why can't I get, get this done? Why can't I do this? Why is Jesus not letting me do this? Satan is pushing at you too. You're fighting a battle you can't win. The only way you can win that battle is with Jesus. He is the only one that's going to knock that moron down. Sorry if that's mean, but that's what I feel about him. Anyone who's going to go against my God is a horrible person. So this next slide is the one that I love. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. And that is the truth. Because when I was fighting that, we had a men's meeting that week. It was my last week of interviews. And that was my double, where I had to do two pastors, and I, I don't remember who I had to talk to. But I know I had to talk to the CEO at the end. And I'm like, I don't care if I don't get the job. That, that's where I was, because I know my feeling was, it wasn't I didn't care. It was like, if I am supposed to get this job, it is because Jesus wants me in that building to serve. But I felt so beat down from Satan that that, that week I had to do the men's meeting. I did on the armor of God, because what should we do daily? Put on the armor of God to fight against the evil one. It's the only thing that we should put on daily and pray to God and always put all our faith into God, but put on the armor of God. So I'm driving down there to do my interview, and I'm hearing this voice, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It's like, turn around, go home. You don't want to go there. And I'm like, shut up. So I'm screaming out my window, putting on the armor of God, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. And that's okay. I didn't care. Because by the time I got down to the old building of the rescue mission, and you could put that picture up, the beautiful brick building that I kind of miss, I was at so much peace that I didn't worry about the interview at all. Because I knew everything that was going to come out of my mouth was coming straight from God. Just like I prayed today, I wanted to say everything that's going to glorify his name I wanted everything to glorify his name that day. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I will never tell you that. But I can tell you this. I went back to college and I graduated with a, a grade point average of a B. I lost part of my brain, half of my skull, and my left eye. And I only got there through one Jesus and to the support of my family and friends. I also can go and serve in the rescue mission and in my ministry because of God, because he gives me that strength to go out there and speak his gospel and tell the truth that everybody needs to hear. I am far from a public speaker. Every time I have to preach in my church, I want to cry before I get up on the stage and I really did not want to come here today because I get scared to death to speak in front of people. And it's not because I'm scared to death about speaking my words. I'm scared to death when I'm speaking about God. Because if I mess up, I don't have to deal with any of you. He's the only one that scares me on this planet. I have zero fear of any person on this planet 
unless his name is Jesus. Okay? So this is what I learned from my past. That past does not define who I am. That past made me who I am. And I am who I want to be now because I want to be the one who is following Christ. And I, I want to go to Matthew 4, 19 through 20, because this is a powerful scripture here. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for the, they were fishermen. And he says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. I left my net back there. I, I'm here to speak the gospel of Christ. I will not do it perfectly. I do need my Bible. I can't memorize scripture. You will never get that out of me, but I will find it and I will preach the truth to you. And when I am done today, when I walk out of this building, I want to just make sure that I spoke everything truthful to you. So here's the facts. I'm a sinner. And when I walk out those doors, guess what? I'm still a sinner. And when I go to work tomorrow, I'm still a sinner. But we're all sinners. And we all need Jesus Christ to get to heaven. That is the truth. There's the truth that I needed back when I was 14 or 12 or whenever the first time I did something wrong or when I lied to my mom because I was really good at it or when I was trying to lie to the police officer about not putting on my seatbelt or wherever we want to go. And I can go on and on and on, but I know you guys want to eat lunch. So the biggest things we need to remember is Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on to those, these two commandments. Now, if I would have been thinking about this in my younger days, I wouldn't have broken every 10 commandment that I broke. Oh, and the only way I haven't broken is murdering someone. So that tells you what a horrible person I was. But the person I am now is the one who ran away from all that sin because I had to run to the one person who can help me, and that's Jesus. And when I think about loving my neighbors, I think about those guys I was fighting against in Iraq or the, the guy I'm yelling at driving down the road on tomorrow morning when I'm late for work because I left five minutes late or when I'm mad at my wife because who knows why, because she's a true angel and I usually don't get mad at her, she's usually mad at me. <laughs> but you gotta remember that we, our neighbors, you're all my neighbors, but so is everyone over across the sea. And you can't hate anybody because when you have that hate, you are not a true follower of Christ. So I guess my biggest thing is, I'm glad I'm trying to walk away from the hate in my life and I'm trying to fix myself daily. So every day we need to walk more like Christ and less like we did yesterday. And I think I'm done with you guys today. I'm, I'm, I'm wore out, but that was the end of my, my message and I hope you guys got something. Um, so thank you for listening to me.